TFS podcast number four, talking about Visual Studio 2008 Developer Edition. And I have with me today our host, uh, Martin Woodward. Martin, you out there? Hey there, Paul. And Mickey Gousset. Hey, Paul. Hey, guys. How are you today? Guess it's early yeah. over in Ireland, huh, Martin? Kind of got you well, out of bed, maybe? I'm just looking out out of my window here at a field. With, uh, I've got um, sheep out my window and, and some new baby lambs jumping around, so that's good. Well, down here in, in in Tupelo, it can't decide whether it wants to be hot or cold. It's freaking freezing at night, and then it gets up in the 80s during the day. So, well, it could be worse. So, hey, it could be in Indiana. So, hey, Paul, uh, what, what have you been up to? Well, um, Martin, I've been up to quite a bit actually, keeping myself kind of busy here. I'm uh, I'm getting ready to do some talks coming up <clears throat> next week. I'll be in uh, the Bloomington.net user group is hosting a mini launch event, community launch as part of the uh, Heroes Happen Here uh, uh, campaign that's going on. So um, I'll be speaking on Windows Server 2008 in Bloomington on Tuesday. I'll then be going to the MadNug Michigan.net user group on Wednesday to speak on Visual Studio 2008. And then I'll be coming back to Indianapolis Thursday to speak at the user group um, on uh, just brief overview of, of Windows Server and SQL Server 2008. Um, on top of that, I'm getting ready to publish another edition of TFS Times. We're going to skip April, and, um, and while I uh, rehash how I'm going to be actually displaying the data uh, that comes across or the information onto um, TFS Times. So I'm reworking all that for a new May edition. So uh, that's pretty much been what I've been doing, get ready to go to the uh, summit, the MVP summit coming up. So that's it for what me. What about you, Mickey? What have you been up to? Well, let's see. On the technical front, I decided to rebuild my desktop with Vista 64-bit. Hopefully the sound quality is, is now better since I'm using a different sound card. At least that's what we think it is. But I've had this desktop for three years and I've had four gig of, four gig of RAM in it and I've been tired of never being able to use all four of it. <laughs> so I finally this week just said I'll put Vista 64 on there because Vista is the future and see what happens. And so far, for the most part, I haven't had any issues. Actually, the one team system issue I've run into with it is that if you install Visual Studio Team System, the tester edition or Team Suite, after mm -hmm. you then have to delete your profile. Well, to you, make the you, web your Windows profile. Your Windows profile. Because otherwise, the web recording bar, when you go to record a web test, the uh -huh. recording bar will not appear in Internet Explorer. Now, to show, you, to show you how much of a not-network person I am, I also didn't realize that when you delete your Windows profile, it does things <laughs> like delete your documents directory <clears throat> with, say, all your taxes in them. Oh! oh. <laughs> Luckily, I still had the, the backup copy I had made before I rebuilt the machine, but I was just a little bit shocked about that. So there's a little gotcha to think about if you're going to Vista, um, is that you will have to delete your profile to get initially to get the web testing to work. So Have you on, blogged on, on that, Mickey? I have not. There are other people that have, though. That's why I haven't put one out there yet. I may, I may ah. go ahead and add to that, though. Other things I've been doing is is getting ready for TechEd. I'm speaking at TechEd on web testing, and so I've been trying to get my presentation done for that. We have the MVP well, summit. At least you've coming got some up. content for that now. <laughs> yes, sir. I do have an extra story. Speaking of which, Martin, you owe me a web testing story that you need to email me. Okay, am I allowed to? Because so, that's the the testing. I, the story I have a web, around web testing is when I nearly got fired for using web testing. Is that one exactly. okay to talk about? That's the that's the one I want. So I want you to email that to me so I can use it. 
Um, I should probably explain for the benefit of the listeners, I was um, using the web testing tools. It's really easy to just record against a website and, and pass in some data and then replay it. And then you can either do it as a web test or a load test. So um, in the company I was working at before uh, TeamPrize, it was you know, a large insurance company, there was, a, an, internal, um, there was an internal uh, competition for, uh, for the security team. And you had to like, fill in some security comments um into this into this form and then you you know you were entered to win i know like an xbox 360 or something so i was like oh cool and and i had a look through the terms and conditions and there was there was no limit you know to how many times you could fill it fill in the application so i did it a couple of times manually thinking this is great uh you know it was all like b's or all c's or something and that's brilliant this is fantastic and then i thought oh i can't be bothered typing <laughs> i'll just record a web test so 10 seconds later i had a web test that did that i then set it up to run like i don't know for about 10 hours you know and and ha- i had it work so that it um i deliberately didn't put like much load on the server you know i had it having huge delays in between each post and of a few seconds <laughs> and like cranked it down to, you know, a 56 K modem or something like that. And just so it would nicely tick away on the server, but I wouldn't do anything particularly naughty to them. Unbeknown to me, the, uh, the security team actually, their, their web form that posted the results back, all it did was um, send the results in as a, um, as an email to an email address. And by the end of my 10 hours, I'd actually, uh, um, like filled their email inbox in exchange, and so you know, I'd, I'd basically DOS'd the uh, <laughs> the competition by sending it too many responses because uh, I sent it more responses than there were people in the entire insurance company, and it was a big insurance company. So uh, yeah, so I got into a bit of trouble about that, and was promised you know That's never fine. to do it again. But it, it it was ironic that it was the security team's competition that I managed to DOS accidentally. <laughs> um, That's awesome. And- on a non-technical front, my wife Amy and I both tried out for Tupelo Community Theater's um, upcoming musical Gypsy, and she got she got the lead role, and I got the the male lead role. So we're both going to be doing some some musical theater here in the next six weeks. Dude, that's wow. awesome! That's awesome. Could you be got the male lead against your wife doing the female lead? If you had to watch some other bloke cozying up to your <laughs> wife, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. <laughs> so other than that, I got MVP Summit coming up that I'm looking forward to. And I can't say much more, but there's the potential in the next oh year and a half that you might actually see me on the cover of another book. So we'll see. Mm, intriguing. Mm, interesting. What about you, Martin? What's going on over in Ireland? Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's good. I was it down at the um, – we launched Team Prize 3 um, – couple of weeks ago which has been keeping me busy so uh and then um i was speaking at the the dublin city launch event well it's for the launch event for the whole of microsoft island down in dublin which was good fun i had to do um a, a 10 minute session on what's new in team system i had to condense that down to 10 minutes and then do that nine times throughout the day I know my voice was completely shot as were my nerves by the end of the day because doing a you know 10 minute like demos with talking and blah 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 it was pretty hectic and then uh tomorrow um as we're recording so by the time i've uh, edited this and got it out on the airwaves it'll be uh it'll have been you know yesterday probably um there's a um the irish microsoft technology conference the imtc um event down in dublin uh and i'm doing a talk there on on uh team build um 
on both on you know team build how to use it and also how to uh, customize the TFS build.proj file, how to uh, talk to the um, you know the TFS the team build API that sort of thing. So that should be quite interesting. And uh, Doug Sevens, you know you know Doug Seven, don't you guys? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, he, he's he's coming over. He's flying over for the conference, and he'll be he'll be doing some talks as well. So, I have to have a I share a couple of Guinnesses with Doug. Uh, if I can just give a quick plug for the guys doing the uh, developer, developer, developer Ireland uh, talk. You know, it's a it's a bit like a code camp. I mentioned it last episode. So that's on Saturday, the third of May in Galway, and uh, they've opened registration for that now, so people can sign up for this. And it's a. a a good code camp that I highly recommend. That's one that um, Mike has a call. You're not, you're not permitted to, to mention the guy from America coming over. Oh, we're not anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Mike has a car who's another team system MVP is, is, is headed that way. And I'm just supremely jealous that, that he, he somehow <laughs> has made it over to the, to the Emerald Isle. And I haven't yet. So, well, yeah. mate, there's always next year, Mickey. All right. Well, before we get on to our topic that we're going to talk about today, which was the developer edition of, of Team System, or Visual Studio, let's let's hit up some couple of news items that we think might be interested to some of our listeners. I'll let you take the, the one at the top of our list here, Martin, because you wrote a old blog post about it. Yeah, I jumped the gun a bit, but by the time uh, this goes out on the airways, we should be okay. Um, there's a new... Uh... Uh, virtual PC out for Team System 2008. Brian Randall, who we who we all know very well, as he's another Team System MVP. Um, his company uh, put this. A virtual PC is a uh, you know it's a pre-set up environment that you can run in Microsoft Virtual PC, which you can get for free. You can download this environment for free, and it's got all of Team Suite installed on there, including Team Build and Team Foundation Server, all in one little little image that you can just run up, and it's a great way to. Uh, you know, to take team system out for a spin and, and to get your head around it uh, and try things out. I also we also use them for demoing. I don't know about you guys, but I, I use it quite often as a basis to do my demos off and things like that. The the new image that is put out is fantastic because it uh, comes with a bunch of uh, training labs and um, uh, you know data and stuff. It's really good. So uh, yeah, awesome. Definitely, definitely worth recommending. And I've I've downloaded it and looked at it a little bit, and and it looks really good. It's very helpful. Some people use it, for, like you said, for demoing. I sometimes use it for demoing. I sometimes roll my own. It just kind of depends on what I'm trying to show. Yeah. Um, but all but there are like 48 different training labs included yeah. in this thing. So and it starts really- up really fast as well. I don't know what he's done, but you know it was actually quite well. It actually performed quite well on my machine. Have you seen the? Um, have you guys seen that? Uh... The Channel Nine video that Jeff Beeler did recently. Yes. The, the um, have you seen it, Paul? No, I haven't seen that one yet. It's, it's oh, you need to take about fifteen minutes and go watch it. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely worth checking out. It's on. Um, if you go to uh, shrinkster dot com slash wj one whiskey juliet one, um, he basically uh, talks about how developer division are using Team Foundation Server, you know, to to break down their work. And he talks about their their process template and how they break things, you know, into they've got like value propositions and things, and how they basically how they split out all the work. It's quite interesting because obviously they're a they're a big company that do a lot of software development. It's always good to see what they do. They've got some really nice reports as well. I was very jealous of his reports when I saw. Them. I was like, wow, reporting services can do this. I need to look at reporting services more. Let's move on into our topic that we we're going to talk about, which was the Visual Studio 2008 Development Edition of team system. 
So I want to say up front, make it, I, I, as uh, <laughs> folks who don't, folks might know, I'm I'm a, I'm actually an Eclipse developer. That's what I spend most of my day in. So uh, I'm going to be the one asking some questions here because I, I, though I've used the developer development edition a bit, I probably don't know all the features as well as both of you guys. So uh, um, I, I'm going to be, I'll probably ask you a few questions as we go along. So feel free to tell me to shut up if you don't know the answer. So Paul, you want to jump in and start? Okay, um, yeah, the code analysis. What exactly is static code analysis for people that don't know? What it does is um, it takes a look at the code and makes sure that it conforms to certain rules you've defined. So, for example, if um, you have uh, design rules that say, you know, all my, all my code files need to have, uh, you know, uh, this code block at the beginning of them, for example, a copyright or something like that, or a description right. of what the class is for. You can have rules that are set up to say, hey, check those uh, those files and make sure that they all conform to these rules we have stated that we want to use. Um, okay. So the static code analysis has, Visual Studio has some predefined ones in it already. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like so FX those- Exactly. It's, it's, it's exactly the same thing as FX Cop. It's just now built into the into the product. And is it is it any easier to customize in two thousand eight? Because I know customizing it in two thousand five was a little bit painful. Is it, can you still can can you customize it easily now? Or I, I don't know that it's changed much there, Mickey. Do you know? Customization of static code analysis rules is still not officially supported. There is no nice interface for it. There is no official. You know, yes, you can do it. That said, there is ways to do it. You just have to to write some code and modify some registry entries, that kind of thing. But okay. there, but there, but no, it's not officially supported in two thousand and eight. But it's easy to configure which of the rules you want switched on of the of the hundreds, if not thousands, that it comes with. Correct. Yes, there is a user interface for that, Martin. Right, right. Got you. That was going to be my question to you, Martin, as an Eclipse developer. Do you have static code analysis tools in Eclipse? Uh huh. Yeah. so are they any better or easier to work with it's um, there's lots of different ones you know in in the java world there's never like one right way of doing things there's there's about 10 different frameworks you can use the one the one i've used most is one called find bugs um and it's the same stuff you know it does stuff like uh oh yeah you're doing something here that could be potentially a security problem or a performance problem, or uh, but it's not integrated with TFS, obviously. So you don't get um, currently. Uh, well, we'll work on that. You don't get any. You know, you don't get the the nice feedback of data into the TFS data warehouse that you do. You know, when you run when you run the static code analysis in in Visual Studio. So, uh, oh, and Paul, did you mention that static code analysis also can be used during the team build process? Oh, no, I did not. And that's a good one, Mickey. Yes, it, it can be part of the automated build process. So you could um, you could fail a build if your static code analysis rules weren't weren't being met if you wanted to. Correct, correct. Especially if the if you're running the static code analysis as part of the build, and especially if you got um, if you have um, warnings set as errors, uh, you'll you'll throw a compilation error right there as the code is trying to compile and, and basically fail the build at that point. I know there's a checking policy around static code analysis, you know, to make sure, you mentioned that as well, to make sure that code analysis has been run and passed before you check in. And I, I find that quite an interesting 
it's an interesting question as to what what you apply as uh, check-in policy and what you apply as build logic, you know, because traditionally we didn't have check-in policy. And so a lot of these things would be applied as build logic. And that's one of the reasons why we would run continuous integration builds to make sure static code analysis rules are being checked every time, every, every time somebody checks something in. And uh, I don't know what I don't know what I think, you know, whether whether dividing line should be what we should put in as a checking policy and what we should put in as a as a build check. Yeah. Well, there's that. Oh, go ahead, Mickey. No, I was going to tell Martin, that sounds like a great idea for a blog post there, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Need to think about it a bit. But you know, you know, because because um, I find in a lot of companies, the checking policies are really like loved by the by the SCM guys, you know, the guys that manage the build system um, uh, and the source control system. They love them and they want to put hundreds of them in. And the developers tend to push back against them, you know, because anything that stops you from checking in code is a hindrance to work. And sometimes you just want to get something checked in really quickly so you can get a bug fixed, you know, in seconds rather than taking hours. So um, I'm all for making check-in as easy as possible. You know, but 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 within reason, and there's certain things you want to capture, and certain poli- you know certain things you want to ensure. So, uh, right. but I'm also a big fan of build continuous integration builds to uh, provide feedback. But then again, why why fail a build, and you know why allow someone to even check something in if it's not meeting the quality? You know, well, why not use a check-in policy for that? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, there's with the static code analysis, it's. You know, I, I agree with you there, Martin. We, 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 we don't want to hinder the developers from, from being able to do their job and get things done and get things done in a timely manner. At the same yeah. time, when we run the continuous integration in the bills, we want to make sure that we're checking everything to maybe the nth degree. It depends on the type of build we're running. So what's nice about the static code analysis is we can have one setting for the check-ins uh, policies and another setting for the bills. So um, for the check-in policies, there's, you know, there's one static code analysis rule that if I'm doing web development, I want to have treated the warning as an error. And that's the security setting that basically addresses things like um, SQL injection attacks. There is a a setting, a rule in there that addresses that. And you could turn that on to be a, a warrant, an error. And that's the one, if I'm going to run, I would be very choosy about what static code analysis rules I'm going to include as part of my check-in policies. But that's one that I would want run if I'm doing web development all the time. I don't want my developers even being able to compile and check in unless that's met because that's a serious issue. You know, so I think you well, yeah, and have like warnings done in the build, and maybe maybe fail the build if like static code analysis warnings go up by an unacceptable margin. You know, rather than rather than and and then possibly have specific ones you just won't even let get checked in. Right, right. We'll maybe talk more. I mean, does does the developer edition that includes the code metric stuff? Does it as well? Yes, correct. Yes, and code code metrics are cool. Code metrics are are new to Visual Studio 2008. So, and basically the idea behind code metrics, in my opinion, are to, ba- are to help you understand where your code is going to have potential issues or where your code is, is too complex and therefore it's going to be hard to maintain. Help you where find the, those... Where the bad smells issues. are. Exactly. Where the bad smells are so that you can go ahead and try to fix them early. There's five different code metrics that come out of the box. There's a number of lines of code which... In general, lines of code, the more lines of code you have, the harder it is to maintain. So you want to shoot for less lines of code. There's depth of inheritance. And everyone 
most everyone at this point has dealt with object-oriented programming in some form or fashion. And inheritance is one of those things they teach you about. Inheritance isn't necessarily a bad thing unless you get into, you know, eight different levels of inheritance. And you make a change at the top, which then screws everything all the way down. So, again, there, with depth of inheritance, you want to have a the, the lower that number, the better. There's cyclomatic complexity, which is basically the number of different ways to get through your, your code. You know, if statements, switch statements, that kind of thing. The more complex your code, the harder it is to make sure you test all the paths. So, again, you want a low number there. There's class coupling which is how are your classes tied together? You know, this class calls methods in this class, which calls methods in this class. So if you have a high class coupling, then if you start making changes to your classes, you can break a bunch of different things. So for those first four code metrics, lines of code, depth of inheritance, cyclomatic complexity, and class coupling, you want to have low numbers. The fifth code metrics is called the maintainability index. And it's actually a conglomeration of several different factors. It takes into account lines of code, cyclomatic complexity, a couple of really weird formulas that I don't necessarily understand. But it comes up with a number between 1 and 100 of how maintainable your code is. So this is the one code metric where you want to have a higher number. The higher the number, the better. So when, when, I, was at, um, you know, when I was at programmer school, we, we were always told that... Um, Good design means low coupling and high cohesion. So, uh, you know, layer coupling is the classes talking to each other, and cohesion is what a class does. I you want lots of classes that do a single job and exactly. you know do it well and are broken up. So there you would have um, you know uh, low numbers of lines of code and uh, low cyclometric, like cyclometric complexity, but uh, a high, um, and low class coupling. You know, so uh, yeah, I can see how that would fit. And this maintaining ability index seems to take all those scores and gives you a, you know, it kind of weights them, I think, doesn't it? And, and gives you like a, a like a yes. one to good. Is this good or bad? So yeah, it's good. And it and it's you just you can simply just right click on your on your project and solution explorer, or there's a, a menu option you can choose, and you just say you know calculate code metrics, and bam, it'll spit them out. Now I'm right in thinking that you can't currently run the code metrics as part of the build process. Is that right? I don't believe so. I don't believe you can. Yeah, I don't think so. It's a real shame that because it would be great to, you know, have these run every build and then be able to do, you know, feed that into the warehouse so you can see trends over time. But you could also do stuff like um, high tide marks. So say if you've got your maintainability index up to, say, 80, and then all of a sudden it drops down, you know, to 70, then you might actually fail fail the build at that point to say, hey, we've got up to 18, you're reducing it, what's going on, you know, and, and force them to either reset the high watermark back to, you know, 70 or, or to fix things and get better. And then that way, over time, you can make your, you know, because when you first start a project, you're probably going to have maintainability indexes down in the 50s or something like that, 55, something. Um, and you can say over time, well, let's get, we can make it a target of a team, let's get this number higher and have a graph of over time how, how you're doing against the targets and that sort of thing. But hey ho, maybe one day we'll have it as part of the build. So you can't, you can't add your own code metrics at this point either. Yeah. But, but extensibility like said, for me is less of a, less of a thing, you know what I mean? Because a lot of these, metrics while it would be nice to extend them and i could see some value there a lot of them are like crazy computer science stuff that i don't really understand having you know i didn't do my degree in computer science so while i understand the theory behind them i wouldn't want to write a parser that did them you know 
So, and I uh, and I think a lot of people like to throw that out there, saying, "What do you mean I can't add my own?" When yeah. probably less than percent of of people would actually do that. Yeah, so, yeah. I think running them as part of a build is, you know, like a, a much higher priority than actually uh, adding your own in. But Team System is all about extensibility, isn't it? So I can see why they would want to add that over time. So what should we talk about next, Paul? I'd like to talk about the performance tools that are available within the developer edition. So basically with code profiling, we're taking a look at the application to see where we can find like bottlenecks in our application, for example. So um, if we have methods that are running extremely long or, or something that's taking a long time, we can find those things by running the profiler. And we basically have two different ways in which we can run the profiler. We can run it in what we call an instrumentation mode or a sampling mode. And what a, a sampling mode is very, um, it's non-intrusive, and it allows us to just look at the application, and every every so many seconds, by default it's five, but every so many seconds, it will take a look at the application, and it'll, it will grab a profile, a metric from there, um, and look to see is this if something's going on. So it's non-intrusive, and it gives you a very high-level report of what your, what your application is doing, but... Um, the problem with profile with profiling in a sampling in the sampling mode is that you could miss methods. So, for example, if between that five seconds, a method that takes a long time to run runs, um, the sampling will miss that because it hasn't been. It's not time to take a sampling at that point. So, what what you do is um, you you can go to what they call the instrumentation mode. And instrumentation basically looks at every single call that's made and it, what it does is it's very intrusive it puts in a marker before and after every method that's run okay and then it basically co profiles each one of those methods so you're very like i say you're more intrusive it takes longer to run but you're going to get a much more detailed report it's going to be more exacting in terms of finding bottlenecks in your application because it's going to look at everything and it's going to see okay if i got this method call that makes another method call it's going to follow that tree down and then it's going to find where i'm having my issues and i can through the report that's generated, I can click down through those method calls to see, um, you know, what methods taking the what functions are taking the longest to run and why. And I can actually go from the report actually into the code and see the code that's actually taking a long time to run. It's very neat and it helps. It's very, um, it's very easy for me to go find what's going on. So that's really what profiler with uh, 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 profiling is in a, in a nutshell. So in, in 2005, you created this report and you had the report and anybody could look at it as long as they had the tool on their machine, the, the developer's tool. You could put it out on the network. People could review it. You could include it as an attachment in your work item or a link to it in your work items if you wanted to create a work item off of it because you can create a work item from them. Um, what, but in 2008, what they've done is they've basically taken it and allowed us to now compare those reports. So we can, we have the application at a baseline and we can say, okay, this is the baseline from which everything is going to be ran against. This is going to be compared to, this is our optimum baseline. So now when they run their profiling reports, they can actually take those reports and compare them to our optimal profile and see, have we, have we done you know, it'll, it'll tell you where you've done good or bad in certain areas. Um, That's I, cool. Bad is a bad word. It's where, where yeah, have yeah. you done worse and where have you gotten better and things like that. So you can see where do I need to fix. That's great because so one of the one of the obvious things you want to do, you know, in applications is you you optimize later. You know, you write the application and then see if and then see where your bottlenecks are and make them faster. 
So um, by having the comparison tool in, we can just go in and, and see if that week we've just spent optimizing the for loop really has made it faster or if we've actually made things worse. Right, right. The other thing you get is you get what they call hot pathing in 2008. And what hot pathing is, it's kind of neat when you look at it in, in, the, in the UI. It's just like this little little campfire thing. It's like little flames. And what it is is it basically lets you follow down through um, where where the bottlenecks are. So it's visual representation as you're clicking through the the um, the report. Um, you can actually see, you know, where it is. It'll take you down, and you can visually see what pieces of the application are actually taking the longest, right from the UI. So it's it's pretty cool. It's and it's what they call hot pathing. Cool. I don't know if either one of you have used that or not. Yes, I use it in in demos. I think that's one of the best things to show people in demos because, in my mind, code pro, code profiling is more of an art than a science. Being mm. able to understand all the stuff that gets returned back to you. So yeah, you having, get so much data you know, back from these things. Anything you can help to filter that data down has got to be good. Exactly. So having something that I can punch a button and it takes me to where it at least thinks the problem is, so I have a reference point to start solving the problem is is just great in my opinion. Yeah, the testing testing's in uh, like the standard version of Visual Studio 2008 now, isn't it? They brought that down a version, did they? Professional. They brought it down to professional. So from Visual Studio 2008 Professional and above has unit testing. It doesn't have code coverage. You don't get code coverage until you move up to one of the team system versions. But the professional version does have unit testing. And 2005 had unit testing. But in 2008, they've just made some major improvements to it. Mm -hmm. Now, unit testing, in my mind, and feel free to throw out a different definition, but unit testing is basically making sure all your classes and all your methods and things work like you think they're supposed to. It's not functional testing. It's not making sure the whole application works. It's taking your individual classes and those methods and making sure that they return the values that you think they're supposed to return. Yeah, it's not integration testing either. It's just your class in isolation does what your class, what you think your class should do, if you know what I mean. Exactly. And unit testing, what it does in Visual Studio is it will stub out a bunch of code for you so you don't have to write a bunch of code to get the test up and running. You just got to make some changes to it, and then you can, can run your unit tests and see how you're, see what happens. In 2008, they've made some changes. like It runs up to 10 times faster. There's support for using generics now and support for doing test case inheritance kind of things. One cool feature that if you don't use any other feature of unit testing that you should use, because I find it easy, is you can now run your test directly from your code. So let's say you've written your little C-sharp unit test. Before, you used to have to go open up the test view window and then right-click on the test you want to run and run it. Now, if you're in the code for your unit test, you just simply right-click on it and say run test. And bam, it kicks it off. Awesome. You don't have to know the keyboard shortcut for that, do you, Mickey? There's got to be a I keyboard don't... shortcut for it. There probably yeah, is a keyboard you put one in? Yeah, I don't know. I think there is one. I just don't know what it is. I was trying to find it the other day and I couldn't find it because I, I know I write a lot of tests and it'd be quite quite nice, to, the equivalent of just pressing F5. You know what I mean? I just want to press a key and it run right. my test. That I'm either run the right. test I'm currently in or run the the whole test case. You know, the, the whole test class that I'm currently in or something like that. So. So you mentioned unit tests for unit, you know, unit testing and the unit test framework that's in 2008. One of the things that I I use unit testing frameworks for is for more than just unit testing. Um, I quite often, so and I've done this since, you know, N unit and J unit and all those unit test frameworks. But um, 
I'll have a set of tests, which is my unit tests, and that they get run on every single check-in, on every single build, which I'm really a huge fan of the fact that that's so much easier now. You know, in Team Build 2008, you can just say, run all my unit tests, please. You know, all the tests you find in this particular assembly name. But we would also use a naming convention for you have a bunch of functional tests, um, a bunch of performance tests. So, you know, uh, run run my application and stress it and see, you know, allowing it to get the numbers out as part of the build. So it's, it's actually doing more than just a unit test. You know what I mean? Um, and by doing that, you get you can get like huge test coverage and, you know, and you can get those tests built, ran um, you don't have to run them on continuous integration because they might they may take take a while, but you can run them as part of a daily build, say, or something like that that runs in parallel. So, uh, you know, has our build got faster this week, or has our is our build slower? Um, are we still working when we talk to a real real back end database? Those sorts of cool things. So, you can abuse unit testing frameworks all you like. <laughs> Just the fact that they have moved it up to the standard, the professional edition. I think is a huge step. When people ask me what's one of the best features about, you know, Visual Studio 2008, you know, that comes to mind as one of the best features. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with Visual Studio 2008 3.5, but man, the fact that you have unit testing now, that, that it almost, you know, it's like all development shops should be taking advantage of that with all their new projects is, you know, more towards that TDD development. Not that you're going to really jump into it, but the fact that you can now unit test no matter what edition you pretty much have uh is awesome you know and i'd I'd like to to point out and again i don't have a shrinkster link because i'm lazy but if you go to teamsystemrocks.com and you go to the files area i've got a webcast folder in there now where i have recorded a webcast of the development edition where basically you can see in action all the stuff that we've talked about today so feel free to go check that out if you'd like to actually have a visual awesome mickey these things thanks for making that available but the, I mean, the developer. There's a lot of good stuff in this tool to help your developers write better code, and you don't have to necessarily use it all at once. Kind of like with Team Foundation Server, work your way into it. Start off using unit testing, and then work your way into using code analysis and metrics, that kind of thing. So that yeah. way, you're not overwhelmed. All right, we have covered Team Developer. We are going to cover something else in our next podcast. We don't know what because we decide from week to week. But Does if you've got any suggestions, then uh, got send those suggestions, suggestions in to gmail dot com and come hit the website at radiotfs dot com. Thank you, Paul, for and Martin for getting that set up. Mm-hmm. If anyone's got if any, if there's anything else in developer edition that we haven't covered, then feel free to to drop us an email and we'll we'll, we'll go back over those. But otherwise, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Radio TFS. Mm-hmm.